And here it is, my people. I am Mocho the Owl, and I will make today count. And today, my people, I am on here on Dr. E's podcast to present to you an exclusive, very, very exclusive interview that she did some months ago with Dr. Bonnie Bright, PhD. I'm going to read a little bit of the excerpt here. It says, in her first summer field work as a PhD As a student of Pacifica's PhD program in depth psychology with specialization in somatic studies, Elizabeth Wisniewski, sorry, (laughs) a doctor of chiropractic yoga instructor and Reiki practitioner guided students through a blindfolded yoga meditation and painting class followed by group process. The students, she said, found it scary and comfortable at first. But after about 20 minutes, they noticed that they were no longer competing with others in the class, nor competing with themselves. I'm going to cut it off right there because I want want you guys to listen to the interview. It is excellent. It is coming up. Please give her station a rate, review, and follow because my people, she is just getting started on this on this wave of momentum on behalf of Dr. Raven Elizabeth, Dr. E, I am Ocho the Alma people, and I will make today count. Enjoy. Discussions in Depth Psychology is powered by Pacifica Graduate Institute. Your host is Bonnie Bright. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussions in Depth Psychology. I'm your host, Bonnie Bright, and this series is dedicated to bringing you discussions with individuals who are highly engaged in the field of depth psychology and who are also making some really important contributions to and through the field. And my guest today is Elizabeth Wisniewski, who is a doctor of chiropractic as well as a student in the Somatic Studies Program at Pacifica. And she has a lot of other interesting pursuits as well, so we're going to find out more about her story and what she's working on right now. Meanwhile, thanks so much for being with me, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm very happy to have you with me and honored because I know that you have a pretty amazing story and I'm excited to see how that unfolds in our conversation today. But before we go further, let me read your bio so that everyone has some background on you. Sounds good. Dr. Elizabeth Wisniewski grew up in Michigan and attended the University of Montana where she received her BA in Environmental Studies and Political Studies in 2006. She earned her Doctor of Chiropractic at Palmer College of Chiropractic in 2012, and she's a registered yoga teacher and medical massage therapist. Currently, Dr. Wisniewski has a private practice in Santa Barbara, California, and is in her second year at Pacifica Graduate Institute in the Somatic Studies Program. So, Elizabeth, I know that all of these modalities that we've mentioned are in the healing area, and obviously you're very accomplished in the field of chiropractic and some of these surrounding modalities, but you are now studying somatics at Pacifica, so maybe that's the best place we can start. I'm really curious about how you came to attend Pacifica, how you found out about it, and what really motivated you to make the choice to go on and continue your studies there. So... What's funny is I have three people I wrote their letters of recommendation for that are graduating from the counseling program all in different cohorts. So that's how I was first introduced to Pacifica because people kept asking me to write them letters. And then 
a couple years later, I became friends with a physical therapist in town, and we started referring back and forth to each other and going over cases. And she's now in the dissertation phase of the somatics program, and we were at coffee, and I was asking her so many questions. What are you studying? How is that impacting your practice? And at the end of that hour, she said, you sound really interested in this. And a week later, I called her, and I was like, I applied, I interviewed, I got in. And just really jumped in. I felt everything within me calling me to Pacifica, and I could not deny that. And that was in the middle of August, and I started the following month in September. <laughs> yeah, it's not the first time I've heard a similar story, and I can relate to it myself. So I know that what we study at Pacifica and even Pacifica itself really has so much soul about it. And so I think it's one soul calling to another soul sometimes when that happens. So I think that's fantastic, and obviously you're clearly excited about your studies there, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you were already, as we mentioned, a successful chiropractor at that point and had done a lot of education and practice around that. And so maybe we can talk about how you came to study chiropractic and how that then relates to the work that you are doing and will continue to do at Pacifica. Well, I was on track to be an environmental attorney, and so with my political science degree in environmental studies and my specialization during undergrad was environmental justice, and I was doing a lot of work in Latin America at the time, and I took the LSAT, and halfway through that, I was realizing this is not what I want to do and did not have the arrows for law that I thought I did. And I moved back to Michigan. I was 21, had just finished undergrad in Montana, and had my 30th eye surgery from this really, really rare eye disease I got diagnosed with when I was six. So I have this surgery, and it goes terribly wrong. And when I wake up from it, I've lost almost all my vision in my left eye, and I had already lost my vision in my right eye when I was 14, when my retina had detached. So I was absolutely devastated and in massive physical pain. And so I was in my parents' house. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. My eye was patched. I was putting in 20-plus drops a day and wondering, what am I going to do now? I just finished undergrad, and I'm 21, and I have this bright future, and I'm not sure. And I heard a commercial for a medical massage school that was started by a chiropractor in Michigan, and I thought, I've always had this interest, and my friends would always ask me to massage them. Maybe I'll do that, and I'll get a master's in political science, and I'll pay my way through grad school doing massage. Three weeks into this massage program that was really deeply rooted in anatomy and physiology, and I'd never taken any of those, I realized this is a big passion of mine. I want to do more and move bones and joints. And so I said to my dad, thank you for paying for undergrad. I'm going to go in a totally different direction. And it was really scary, but he got it and supported me from that moment. And so I went back and took all my science classes, chemistry and physics. I took everything verbally, all my exams, and was getting 100% in chemistry, doing all mental math. I was so driven. And then got into chiropractic school, and Palmer's the original school in the world, and ended up at their campus in San Jose, California, instead of Iowa, because I didn't want to be in the snow anymore. So it was this really roundabout journey, but just like Pacifica, I felt so called to chiropractic. And then after graduating over five years ago and moving to Santa Barbara and starting my first practice, I became a yoga teacher 
and I practice bhakti yoga and I play the harmonium and chant kirtan and just really deeply rooted in those lineages. So somatics being the lived experience of the body pulled me deeper into that with my practice as a chiropractor because it's not just manually moving bones and joints, you're having this deeply spiritual and emotional connection with each patient with the laying on of hands that I couldn't deny anymore and wanted to do even more. So if you look at mind, body, spirit, soul, psyche, planet, I have this environmental degree covering the planet part and I understand anatomy and physiology and have the yoga connection with the spirit, but I wanted more. So I love school, obviously, <laughs> so it worked, but I, I wanted that full experience that was vitalistically rooted for my patients and for my own practices, and somatics seemed like the best fit. Well, the way that you just described all of that, including your journey and the really profound initiation process, that you went through when you were so young at just 21. I mean, the idea of losing your eyesight, first of all, I just want to acknowledge the severe trauma that you must have gone through. And yet it feels, too, like you responded in such a really interesting way and such a soulful way of being able to really engage with the physical parts of things. I was kind of imagining while you were talking about how you initially had studied the environmental aspects, and yet you've moved on and carried your career at the call of soul on some level, as you've just described it, to the environment of the body, you know, the landscape of the body and all the parts that go with that. You mentioned the laying on of hands and the spiritual connection. There's just layer on layer on layer of the landscape of the body that I think is so profoundly important. And those who are able and willing to focus on that are really such critical contributors to our culture because I really believe personally that there's not enough attention paid to presence with the body and taking care of our bodies in the right way. I mean, there are trends, but really to pay attention to it in a spiritual way is really profound. So it's very interesting to hear about your journey moving through all of that until you have landed now at Pacifica where you're actually doing the somatics piece of it. And so I just have to ask you as a follow-up then, how are you experiencing the somatics program there? Is it everything that you ever hoped for? I definitely experience it as the tension of opposites. Sometimes my self-talk goes into this, what kind of person goes to graduate school twice? Why do you have to be a doctor again? But this other part of me is like, this is the auspice that everything you've ever done is under. So when I move more towards that, I realize that's exactly where I'm meant to be. So it is a struggle to practice full-time and go to school, but it's mm-hmm. perfect. And when a lot of people from the outside are like, this doesn't make sense, you're different degrees and certifications, and I've had that even when I started chiropractic school, everybody had kinesiology or biology degrees, and here I'm like this environmental studies hippie. <laughs> but it makes sense to me. And so... Being at Pacifica, I've been able to pull and harvest from each one of those fields of knowledge and kind of have more like a, my dad describes it as being a farmer and harvesting your knowledge instead of having a specific expertise. So Pacifica allows me to do that. In somatics, we do have eco-psychology classes. So I'm able to pull in my undergrad and it's really unique and special. And I know that when my soul made this contract with losing my eyesight, that this was part of the journey. So I'm so grateful because every part of me believes that I wouldn't be a chiropractor, I wouldn't be a yoga teacher, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I could still see. 
Wow. Well, that's an amazing perspective, and I totally get it. It's a depth perspective, really, and that's one of the things that I appreciate so much about depth psychology is our capacity to be able to look at things more on an archetypal and grander scale than what we sometimes get caught up in in our day-to-day egoic living. So I just really appreciate all of that and your attitude and your comprehension of that. And also, I'm really interested in the way that you are integrating currently or maybe foresee integrating all of these different things. I love that the somatics program also has some eco-psychology classes, as you just mentioned, because I think that that's Mm -hmm. a really profound integrator. But how are you finding now that you're kind of in the middle of all of it, that you're bringing together all of these various specialties into your practice? I find that I'm bringing it together through my field work where I'm able to pull everything. And so, for example, last summer during my first field work, I stayed in Santa Barbara and through an art foundation taught blindfolded yoga, meditation, and painting. And then we did group process around that of what is it like for somebody who can see to then be blindfolded and to have this embodied experience. And so the results I found there were that 20 minutes into yoga, people were saying, wow, at first this was very scary, but once I was in it, I didn't have to compete with others in the yoga class. And more importantly, I no longer was competing with myself to get into some crazy asana or pose. So through my field work has been the integration, the incorporation, bringing everything into the body that I've learned so far in my life and at Pacifica of how to interact with people and Honestly, through teaching is where I find the most integration because I can talk to them from a depth perspective. I can talk to them about Western anatomy, Eastern anatomy, and bring it all together. Yeah, gosh, that's a really exciting idea to hear about the fieldwork that you did. And, of course, I know that fieldwork is required by the somatics program as it is by a couple of the other programs at Pacifica. How on earth did you ever conceive of this idea to go teach the blindfold (laughs) yoga and painting? And I'm really curious about how the painting piece of it worked as well. Absolutely. So when I was growing up, I painted all the time. And it was a part of me that was really lost. I didn't think it was something I could do anymore when I lost my sight. And so two and a half years ago, I started painting again with a teacher. And I remember what every color looks like. And I also still see sunlight and some colors. But what's really kind of crazy is that there's so much scar tissue and everything from all the surgeries that I have this very nebulous swirling colors always in my visual field, whether my eyes are open or closed. And it can be distracting and almost painful, but I've changed my relationship to it because I see colors because of it all the time. So when I started painting again, I knew exactly, like, I want you to make turquoise. And then I moved into this place of painting when I was alone and feeling the energy of the bottles and choosing them based on that. So it really started with my own practice of getting back into painting once again and thinking about it from this other perspective of no longer seeing but making it this process instead of like this is the outcome I want just being in the process. So when we started talking about field work we did this meditation in our first field work class with Dr. Keisha Fikes where we tapped into what is our passion and what is our calling and that really came up for me really deeply of expression through the arts. So that evolved from there. And then I already teach yoga and meditation here in Santa Barbara. And I'm board certified in physiotherapy, but my PT rehab for my patients is all through yoga. So it's an area that's really comfortable for me. 
but having people blindfolded is uncomfortable. So I wanted to bring people more into my experience. Part of my mission, I feel, is to shift our perspective of living in the very visual world and to change the relationship. And so often there's negative connotations around the word blind, and we use it in such a way of like, I was blindsided by this or blinded by the light, and it's really negative, pejorative way of using it. So I want to change sight to the deep seat of knowing, which taps more into our third eye, the pineal gland, and that's where it really evolved from. And I'm moving forward in this next summer's field work and towards dissertation in that same vein. Wow, it's such a powerful perspective to focus all of this on the site and your use of the terminology and bringing attention around how we use it in our culture, the various examples that you use. It's really powerful. And of course, my own love of depth psychology, I think, is pretty well documented. I express it quite frequently. And I just love the idea that depth psychology provides a different perspective on things. I've always liked looking at things from a standpoint of different perspectives and knowing that there's more to it than meets the eye, so to speak, to use another terminology. <laughs> Perfect. I guess. Yeah. I think that the word blind really deserves to have therapy provided for that word and that term so that we can shift our perspective in our society because. of people who can't see in the United States are unemployed. And for me, that's really unacceptable. So I want to provide mainstream people, sighted people with that information so that we can help to empower people who cannot see because we're seeing more people come back from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan with high trauma and loss of vision. So there is a lot of research going in because of that. But also with the baby boomer generation, there's going to be more and more money put into that area of research. So I feel that it's important to change our perspective toward the word and people who cannot be. Oh, that's such a wonderful cause. I think probably everybody knows somebody who is visually challenged and also As you mentioned, I mean, 50% of people that are unemployed, I just think that there's so much more opportunity and potentiality out there, as you have clearly recognized. So all of that, I guess, looking with an eye toward your second year of fieldwork, which is coming up this summer, how are you planning to continue that work? Will you be continuing in that same vein? Yes, I'm starting early. I have to write my proposal this next month. The day after the last day of this quarter, I'm flying to Todos Santos, Mexico, to teach a retreat there. And I've actually been calling them unretreats because retreat to me is moving backwards. And so often people go on retreat and they learn all this, but they don't fully incorporate it. And they go back into this fight or flight stressful world. So it's an unretreat because we want to forge ahead in advance. So I'm going to do that in Mexico and work with the staff of a boutique hotel there and then have an on-retreat for a half day for the community. So I'm going to start there. And then one of the areas I'm really interested in, and I'm working on this, and unfortunately I still have time, is that I want to study under an indigenous bone setter, which is the precursor to chiropractic found in every culture around the world going back 5,000-plus years. So that's what I'm looking to do this summer. Can you say a little bit more for our audience about the bone setting? I'm really curious about how you perceive it and also maybe some of the origins of it, if you know them, and how you think that might be beneficial to you. What is your interest in it from more of a spiritual or depth psychological standpoint? Yeah, so in Western bone setting, Hippocrates said, look well to the spine for the cause of all disease. 
and that's certainly part of the chiropractic philosophy. So I've always been very intrigued by that quote and curious. And I also have a lot of inquiry around what it's like for somebody to move bones and joints who doesn't know that this is the tibia and there's a synovial joint necessarily and has this perspective that it's a lineage and it's passed down without formal education and how they learn that and feel the energy of the body. So I'm really curious. And then also so many of Eastern traditions of hands-on healing originally had people who could not see doing them. So I, I would love to study with somebody who couldn't see perhaps to learn bone setting. And I don't know the full history, but I do know it's still found. You can go on the Amazon, and within the tribal culture, there'll be a bone setter. So it's found everywhere. And that's why when people are like, I don't believe in chiropractic, I have a couple things where it's like, well, it's not a belief system. This isn't a dogmatic approach to healthcare. It's a science and art and a <laughs> philosophy. But also, how can you not believe, quote unquote, in something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years that has clear evidence through its existence and doesn't have to be through a peer-reviewed article, but just the fact that it still exists for so many thousands of years is proof enough to me that there's something there. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating, all of it. And gosh, I hope you find the opportunity to do that. I think that would be really ideal. So it sounds like you're pretty much set up for the summer field work. And by the time you add that piece, you're going to be very busy, obviously, with the on retreat and the work that you're doing around that. So I guess the obvious question is, where does that lead you for dissertation? Have you already determined a topic? I have a general topic that I'm still developing, and every day I'm adding 5, 10, 20 questions on this ongoing note on my phone as they come to me and through me. And it's still in that same vein. I don't want to be pigeonholed into being a disability theorist solely and having everything around vision and sight, and I want that to be a part of it. So it's bringing together everything I've already talked about, but then adding this element of psychedelics. And I'm really curious from a couple perspectives. I read a study last week where they looked at 24 people who couldn't see and the effects that LSD had on them. And they thought maybe it would change their retinal tissue in the back of their eye, which is nervous system tissue, but it, in fact, does not shift that at all. But the study said we have scant research in this area, which made me really excited that <laughs> I can build upon their research. But it also said that they had a deeper somatic experience. And so there's so many ways I want to go with it. We're looking into these Eastern traditions of the people who couldn't see that did hands-on healing. Were they using psychedelics to enhance their experience and to use their third eye? What does it mean for people who can't see to produce images and symbols? How do they experience them? And then can they create them through molding clay or painting so, for example, when I learned Reiki, I learned what the symbols looked like, making them with pipe cleaners so I could feel them. So there's so many ways to bring that from the body and, you know, psyche knows what these symbols are and then to express them through the arts. So I'm interested from those perspectives, but also psychedelic research in terms of trauma, because here I am, I went through over 30 surgeries, but when I was seven, eight, nine years old, 
I couldn't even go into any doctor's office without crying and having a breakdown to the point that I couldn't have an eye exam for a couple of years unless I was under anesthesia. So I went under anesthesia 45 times as a child. And unlike pediatric cancer patients where they provide a social worker and look at mental health and different perspectives of the family unit, they don't do that. And there's not a lot of integration for things like eye disease. But yet it's deeply traumatic. So I'm wondering how can we advance psychedelic research and trauma into that area to help people like me who have been through so many surgeries? And that really can open up this emerging subfield of social ophthalmology that I'm really curious about. So one of my goals would be to definitely influence ophthalmologists to look at a more vitalistic, which is that connection of mind, body, spirit, soul, psyche, and planet for the person having the surgeries and the family unit, just to support them in a more holistic way. Because right now it's very mechanized, very medical, allopathic model that simply isn't working in my perspective. Yes, I mean, to your point, the medical model in our culture is so mechanistic, and yet that opens the door so much more widely, I think, for those of us who are interested in alternative forms of medicine or different ways of looking at things, new and different perspectives. And of course, I know there has been a lot of research that's been done on some of these which is why it's so important to really integrate some of these modalities that have been going on for thousands of years. And that includes psychedelics. I know there's been a lot of research done, particularly in depth and transpersonal circles among scholars who are looking at the benefits of psychedelics on anxiety and on people who are going through traumas. And so the whole idea of integrating all of these different things, the mind, the body, the psyche, the spirit, into ways of healing is really, really an important one, and I think one that has so much capacity for the future. Absolutely. I see that in my chiropractic practice every day where somebody comes in and let's say they have elbow pain, and I'm like, what, what's been done? And all they've done is look at the elbow, and it's like, let's start at the spine where your nervous system, the master system is, and then go from there. And often it's not the elbow, and so it's just such a small example, but I see it so often from the aloe pathic model. It's hard for me not to say allopathetic. <laughs> so I don't want to, I mean, there's definitely like Western medicine has its place and I don't discount that. But I really think it's important that we look at the whole body and beyond in the energy system and everything. Otherwise, it's a disservice to our clients and patients. Yeah, absolutely. And I really understand that from what you're saying. And I think that you have such a grasp on that. You come across as being very centered around all of this. And I can really sense the healer archetype, you know, that seems to be at work in your life. And it's really interesting, again, that you have decided to pursue the PhD through the somatics program at Pacifica. I'm curious in that program, if you can think of a few people who have really influenced your own thinking and your own work, are there new thinkers, scholars, academics that you've been introduced to in the program that have had an impact on your work and your perspective? I'm reading a lot of James Hillman right now, and I feel very connected to him in the sense that looking at everything as having a soul fragment and that harkens back to my environmental studies days of sentient intrinsic worth, looking at rocks and trees. So that's been really instrumental in bringing a lot of my past into the present and future research here. So I love, love Hillman a lot. 
And Jung honestly reminds me a lot of the developer of chiropractic, B.J. Palmer. They were alive at the same time. And I see so many correlations, even in our first intro to somatic course that Ray Johnson taught in the first quarter, we're talking about vitalistic Ed Mueller, and that's exactly where chiropractic comes from. So it's really fun for me to see those connections and why I'm so drawn to it because of what I'm doing now. So I'm greatly influenced by Hillman and Young, obviously. <laughs> Let's see who else. I do a lot of outside reading, but it's related. So right now I'm reading Return to the Feminine and the World Soul. And since my specializations are pediatrics and pregnancy in my practice, I'm really drawn to that raising up the Shakti energy, the divine feminine, the mother archetype. So anything in that vein has been really instrumental to me right now of stepping into my own place of power and empowerment and feeling grounded, connected to Mother Earth, Mother Moon, Mother Ocean, and Mother Love. So Marion Woodman, Mary Louise John France, and I'm like constantly reading. So it's like hard for me in a way because all I do is read, and partly it's because of Pacifica. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have to read a thousand pages on average <laughs> in between classes. <laughs> But those have been really great. And then what else? Claire Stolen Bodies was a really important article for me, just in the sense of disability theory, of realizing, I guess, part of me didn't want to acknowledge when I started Pacifica that I was disabled in a way. <laughs> so that was an eye-opener for me, so to speak. Yeah, I can imagine that that has been a pretty profound transition because as you begin to look at the things that are unconscious in all of our lives, each of us, as we begin to look at what's happening for us and they start to make themselves more known through the symbols that would come up for us as we're doing all that reading or through dreams or through discussions with peers and the cohorts or whatever it is. I know that, yeah. yeah, you know, it's not always easy to accept or process or make sense of even sometimes some of the stuff that comes up, but it definitely is a very transformative process. It was for me, and it's one that I will be grateful for forever because it does help us to face the things that we need to face in order to begin to initiate that growth that we all are here for or desperately need in our lives in order to move forward and to become more of who we truly are. Right. I feel like it's that making of wholeness that Pacifica has been really helping me with. Part of it is we are required to have our own depth transformative hours, which is going to therapy, which is really nice when you're mandated. <laughs> so you can work through your things mm -hmm. that you need to. And I was dissolving my last business the first year. So I had a lot happening of starting a brand new practice, going through a lot of trauma based out of dissolving a business with somebody. So there was so much, but Pacifica has helped me with raising that Shakti, the divine energy within myself to feel more whole and it's in that that I've really been able to find myself. And Jung talks about the most terrifying thing one can do is to know themselves. And for a long time, I felt like I was in this more masculine perspective of Napoleon Hill's thought from Think and Grow Rich of turn your challenges into assets, which I do find valuable. And I'm like, okay, my challenge has been losing my eyesight but my assets are my hands and my heart space and I can still practice. And so I did a lot of motivational speaking and writing for many years through that model. But now through Pacifica, I'm seeing 
there's another way of looking at it from Hillman's work of looking backwards through your life of my soul made this contract. This is where I am now. But looking back, I was preparing for this. I already knew that this was going to happen. And so shifting that perspective has shifted the paradigm of my life into more connectedness within my own body, which allows me to be more connected to my community. That's just beautifully said. And the imagery that arises for me in my own mind's eye when I hear you talk about that is really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the work that you're doing, Elizabeth. It's really profound to watch you pursue it. And I'm excited to see how things are going to turn out for you in the field work and as you begin the dissertation process, which is always, of course, challenging, but also so, so rewarding as you go through that process. I just really wish you all the best of luck in that. I've been speaking today with Elizabeth Wisniewski, who is a doctor of chiropractic and, of course, who is pursuing her Ph.D. in the Somatic Studies program at Pacifica. And you can learn more about Elizabeth at her website, which is www.dresb.com. And you can also follow her on social media, Twitter and Facebook. So, Elizabeth, again, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Discussions in Depth Psychology, powered by Pacifica Graduate Institute with host Bonnie Bright. Learn more at pacificapost.com or at pacifica.edu. Diva Ray Elizabeth here, Dr. E. It's my other name. I'm here with Bodhi. He's having a rough morning. Bodhi, tell us about it. What do you think? How are you today? Do you want to go to the dog park? Hey, Bodie. <laughs> Do you need a tennis ball? Okay. How do you feel about your dog friends? Do you like them? Okay. Who's your favorite? Augie? Where's Augie? Bodie. <laughs> Thank you. That was Bodie. His beautiful interview today. Have a beautiful, wonderful, lovely day and weekend. Namaste from both of us. Speech on. Waveform. Duration. New recording. Trim. Dip. Date. Controls. New. Pause recording. Button. Pause recording.